Revelation 4, verse 1 says, After I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like emeralds circled and enthroned, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the thrones came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. In front the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front the throne there was that what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne there were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, under, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before him and say, You are worthy. Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. After that prayer, I'm wondering if I should say anything. <laughs> Every word from God, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think we underestimate uh, the importance and the power of spending time with our Holy Spirit and with God and in worship together like this. Uh, Yeah, we, we often we try and lead the meeting and I was going, God, what should we do? <laughs> Were you thinking that? Right, yeah. And it's quite something, isn't it? On your, and actually, it is Jesus that, that leads the church. It is not us. And it is the Holy Spirit that needs to guide us every morning when we get together, specifically on a Sunday, um, where we should go. And... Uh, how awesome that he can lead us into worshiping him. And uh, just that, that scripture that Nadine read is like just throwing our, our crowns in front of him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it does. It, it, it break, it, 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 it's an emotional thing. It breaks something in us. You know? it's that picture of who Jesus is on the crown that she read this morning. And, and, um, and I've got Acts 2.42 for us this morning. You can put that up. And uh, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As I read it now, it's like, who's the they? Can, we, can you bring the mic a little bit down? It's a little bit intimidating. <laughs> um, yeah, who's the they? Who, who, who are they devoted themselves? It's us. It's the church. This is the picture of the New Testament church, Acts 2.42. This is the birth of the church in the New Testament. That's what they looked like, they. And um, what happened before this? Well, Peter spoke to mostly the Jewish people in Jerusalem right after the crucifixion of Jesus. And what he told them was this. He told them who was Jesus. So explain to them that what David wrote was not about David. It was about Jesus who was going to be resurrected. Jesus was resurrected and many of the people that heard him actually were witness to it. And, um, and then he said the following. He said, actually, you crucified him. And this morning, like, we crucified Jesus. Why am I saying that? Well, because he, would, he had to be crucified because of my sin. So I, I had a part, like the Jews of that day, in the crucifixion of Jesus. And then it says, um, but then he says, well, and he was raised from the dead and that he was made Lord and King and Messiah over us by God. And then it goes on to say, Peter used many words and he pleaded with them. It's like, it, this is not all he said. He pleaded with them, please, 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 please change your lives and start following Jesus. And then it, the, the, what the people's response was, was in, in verse 37, they said, when I heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what should we do? Brothers, what should we do? And, uh, and, then, and then the rest follows. Acts 2.42. What should we do? And uh, yeah, so keep that in mind. What should we do? Um, yeah. What an incredible picture of the church in Acts 2.42. And I'm not on my notes, so <laughs> I'll see if I get there. Um, I spoke to Liesl this morning, my wife, Liesl, and I said to her, um, in the early days of Just Jen, and uh, Andrew used to preach out of Acts 2.42 every Sunday, or quote it, or preach from it. And... Uh, Anybody that's been in Josh Jane for longer than 10 years, would, if you say Acts 2.42, they'll quote it. 42 to 47. They'll just off by heart. And, uh, it, but it's not the first time I heard it when Andrew started preaching about it, when I joined Josh Jane. Actually, I heard this in a different church that I used to belong to for about seven, eight years before before I came to Justin. And one of the guys there started like a home group thing and he read this and he was the leader in the church. He was an elder in the church and he said, I've seen this thing and I think we should all live like this. And it scared the living daylights out of me. I was going, what? He must be smoking pizza boxes. You know? I can't do this. I can't trust people. Selling all my possessions and having everything in common. Are you nuts? We're living in a Western world. Can't do that. We can't live like that. And that was my answer. It challenged me, but I didn't do it. And what I can say today is, well, we've been in Josh Chen for 20 years. 
something like 20, 20 or more. And actually, it can be lived, Acts 2.42. No, you don't have to sell your house and bring the money to the church. Uh, please don't do it. Live in the house. God's given it to you. Use it for his kingdom. <laughs> but it's the heart, Siggy. It's the heart that God's looking after. He, he wants our hearts. He wants us to be fully in. Um, and, uh, and that's the pattern of Acts Church, is actually our hearts being rendered to God so much that anything goes. Even the stuff that scares us. Because if God doesn't scare you, I don't think we've seen him. The picture of Nadine this morning, it's in the Bible, is, it's a scary picture. That's what happened to those guys. They, they heard Peter. Peter explained to them who Jesus was and that you've, you've killed him and now he's risen. He's not dead. A dead person won't scare me. Right? What scared them was that Jesus was alive after they've killed him and that he now reigns. I think anybody is scared of somebody they've just killed that's alive again. And now reigns. If that doesn't scare you, you should be scared. Because what now? What is he going to do? What do I do now? How do I fix this? I've made a big mistake. So, and that's the picture of Jesus. The one sitting on the crown. Yo. The good news is, he chose to die for us. So, keep that picture in your minds. What the church should look like. I'm going to tell you a different story. Um, today is the fourth race uh, of the Formula One season. So, the guys that come here know that I, I can... This is the only congregation, Josh Jen, where you'll keep up to date with what's happening in Formula One. Um, luckily, we're recording this, and we'll put it on the internet for the rest of Josh Jen. So, <laughs> the fourth race today in Formula One, and uh, I'm a bit of a fan. So, let me explain to you something about the wonder of these cars that we're going to... The racing today at three o'clock, if you wondered. <laughs> in Italy... Now, the wonder of this, of this thing that they do, right, is they climb in these cars and they drive at absolute incredible speeds. They, they go around corners at more than 200 k's an hour and they follow one another. Now, kids that don't drive yet don't do this. They follow one another within one second of each other. That's With one, in, one second, you're going at 300 k's an hour down a road and... And, and you less than a second from the guy in front of you. I'm telling you, there is no way that you can stop before the, it's like if the other guy stops right in front of you. you there is just, there is no reaction time necessary. It's just impossible. But they do this. And they go round and round a track, which is not boring. It's incredibly exciting. <laughs> and, um, in the end, somebody stands on a podium and he gets a prize. And there's a whole season of this. And at the moment, for the first time in history, there's a guy from Monaco that leads the Grand Prix season. Now, that's quite profound because there's been a South African that led before, but it's the first time that uh, there's an actual guy from Monaco and they, they have lots of money and they race all the time. Um, but there, there are some things that we that I see there. So, what is F1 about for the drivers? Actually, it's a confidence game. It's it's a trust game. You can't do that in a car without confidence and trust. Because if you're going to go down a road and there's a turn, it's, they're not they're not little turns; they're sharp bends. And you're going to steer. 
You have to have confidence that the car is going to turn. Sometimes there's a dead wall in front of you and you steer four or five meters before it. Turn the steering wheel. So you have to be confident that the car is actually going to do what you want it to do. That it'll, it'll go around that corner. But you didn't build the car. So you have trust there in a big team that's built the car, designed the car, put it together, flew it from one country to the next, put it together again. Nuts and bolts. And you have to have trust and confidence in your own ability that you, you're going to make the right call in the equipment that you're driving. The car. Will it break? Will the suspension? Well, it doesn't have suspension. <laughs> but will one of those wishbones just snap off and you continue straight into a wall? And the other thing that came out this weekend was you have to have confidence in the grip of your tires. So on Friday they had qualifying and it started raining. And the car started sliding around on the road a bit, and especially when they go, went around corners. And you could see the people lose confidence. They had to go slower. And every time that any of those cars turned into a corner, it would slide out, and they would counter steer it to stay on the road. And there was a constant steering of, of the car to stay on the road and go around the corners. And... Uh, This, for me, is it's a picture of our, of our lives. So we have to constantly steer. And we have to have confidence. But we can lose grip. We can go off at a corner and be out of the race. So, and it'll end your race if you go off. It could end your race permanently in Formula One. Now... For me, rain in this picture is a little bit like sin, right? So there's general sin, like the rain falls on the entire track, and it affects everybody, and it makes the road slippery, and it means we can slide off. It makes it a bit more difficult. If there wasn't sin, it would be easy to stay on the track, wouldn't it? And then there's my sin. It's me steering not so well. So the one is, there's sin, that's a concept of sin that's entered the world. And it's made it possible to slip off the track. And then there's a concept of my sin, which is the individual driving. And if you don't steer correctly, then you can slip off the road. And it's the end of your race. So where's my confidence? What should we do? They asked. Well, yeah. Our confidence is in God. That's where our confidence lies. We can be confident that God will do what he said he would do. And he has done what he said he would do. So Jesus died for us. Right? He promised that and then he did it. And then the miraculous thing is, Jesus died. He didn't just die, he rose again. And then he made a way for us to be reunited with his father. And in doing so, he has taken away the sin of the world. He's taken away my sin. Or the consequence of it. With other words, I can have confidence that I can steer my life and not slip off the road. Because while I'm in Jesus, while I'm found in the pattern of God, I, I don't have sin. And I have more grip. But he didn't just give us, uh, didn't just give us that. He gave us a pattern for the church as well. So there's a, what should we do? What should we do to stay on the road? And, uh, and I've been battling with this. 
What should we do to stay on the road? And, uh, and, and this is it. We all drift from the truth. I do. Huh? We all drift from the truth. It's possible to slip away. It's possible to drift away from what the true gospel is. So I'm assuming that we've all heard the true gospel. Which is a big assumption. Because when I got saved first, I didn't hear the true gospel. I'm going to be honest. I didn't. I grew up in a church where I didn't hear the full true gospel. We're careful to say it, but it, it is true that it's possible. Paul says, if anybody comes and preaches a different, different gospel than this, even if I return, don't listen to him. So is it possible that we could be exposed to gospel that is not true? It is. So the gospel is quite simple, actually. So if you throw away all of the, all of the stuff, well, is it important? Timothy says this. He says, and the things that you've heard me say among many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others as well. Join in me. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. A soldier refrains from entangling himself in civilian affairs in order to please the one who enlisted him. Let's concern ourselves with teaching the gospel. So, yeah, don't concern ourselves with other stuff. Uh, civilian affairs. So he's using the picture of a soldier and saying, well, a soldier has, that's enlisted has a certain mandate. This is what we do. We're the army. We do what the army does. Katie knows how that works. Her dad's in the army. Um, Brendan's in the police. Ziggy. It's like, we concern ourselves with this. We don't concern ourselves with the things that are beta, outside our, our, our mandate that was given. And that's part of true gospel. True gospel doesn't involve the matters of the world into the matters of the church. Or, or it, it doesn't concern us. So don't add. It's the one part. The other part is don't leave out. <laughs> so, so what's the true gospel? A, that we were sinful. That, that I had sin in my life and that without Jesus I was dead I was dead in my transgressions and then well that Jesus died paid for my sin which I couldn't cover there's nothing I could do to cover that, cover that debt and then he paid for it so that I don't have to and then when he rose he made a way for us to be children of God the Father with him and now he says okay well do what I said you must do what did he say go and make disciples of other people teaching them this gospel and that's it oh, it does say baptize them quite an important one now thanks <laughs> Katie <laughs> baptize that's the, first, that's the first command that he gives us, like baptize them. So if you haven't been baptized, come talk to me, and we can talk about that. About when, when you want to be baptized, if you say it. Huh? Yeah, in winter, lacquer. <laughs> um, yeah. So is it, an, is it possible to, to slip away from this gospel? It is. How will we keep ourselves from, from going away? Well, here's the thing. It's easy to slip away from the true gospel. Why? Well, because it's hard to follow God. So it's easier not to follow God. 
And what would I do if I'm not following God? Well, I'm going to concern myself with the things of the world, civilian affairs. And, uh, okay, so to show you this, uh, there's a picture in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm not going to read it because we'll read for a long time because it's through kings <laughs> in the Old Testament, which is quite a lot of literature. So if I'm right, there were about 40 generations, 20, 40, 40, 40 generations in kings of the Israelites. And they're an example to us. So why, why was it written? So that we can have an example. Jesus taught from the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. Shocking. Um, so everything Jesus said was based on what was in the Old Testament. Now, kings document the life of Israel in and out of their country after they've taken the promised land. And it's quite hard to serve God. I know that. We, we went there and we saw what it looked like there. Uh, half of it's desert. Uh, it was quite dangerous. There were many things that could go wrong with you. Apart from animals and stuff, there were bandits and stuff. And then God said to Israel, you can't have horses. So there's a command from God. Don't want you to have horses. I want you to, um, to depend on me. David writes it. He says, some have, some have trust in horses and chariots, and I will trust in the name of the Lord. Why does he say that? Because God said, don't have horses and chariots. Trust me. I'll deliver you. So here comes the enemy. They have horses and chariots and stuff and metal, and Israel has wood and God. <laughs> God says, don't, don't trust on horses. Now, God then said to them, I want you to come worship me in Jerusalem about four times a year. Once every quarter. I want you to travel to Jerusalem as a nation and come and offer sacrifices to me in Jerusalem and praise me. So we have a farm. I'm a farmer in Jerusalem. In, in uh, the outskirts of uh, Israel. And what, four times a year. I lock up everything on a farm and I travel to Jerusalem by foot, no horse. With my kids, my baby, just newborn baby. There we go in the rain. Thanks, Lotte Hans. <laughs> and, uh, and you travel to, to the capital and then now we're offering sacrifices and we're doing things. And they did that because they loved God. God also gave them another command. He says, eradicate the land of all of the Asherah poles and all of the previous gods that people used to worship there and all the people that worshipped other gods. But that they didn't do. That command they didn't listen to, not fully. Okay, so about one generation later, not long, 40 years, into 40 generations one family's traveling along the road and the dad goes, you know what? <laughs> Did God really say? Why, why are we traveling to Jerusalem? Look at this mountain here. People used to worship God here before we came. Long time ago. For years, God has been worshiped on this mountain. I'm not going. It's dangerous. It's not a good idea. We're staying I'm going to look after the farm. I'm going to continue with our business. And we're going to worship God. Here's a mountain. We worship him here. And they did that. And not long, the neighbors joined. Because you know what? He had a better produce. Because he farmed for longer. Didn't move away from the farm. Nobody stole his stuff. His family wasn't in peril traveling through the mountains. David writes... That he says, I look up to the mountains, where will my help come from? Know that psalm? It's called a psalm of ascension. So it is walking through the mountains, scared of the people that's going to take my stuff and kill me 
He's going, I'm looking up at the mountains. Where will my help come from? And then he goes, my help is from God. That's the context of that psalm. And the guy's going, no, I'm not going to look up at the mountains anymore. I'm staying with my own mountain. I'll sacrifice here to the God of Israel. And in another couple of generations later, they're offering their children to the God of Israel on that mountain. Because they're not traveling to Jerusalem anymore. And they slide away from what God wants. And they become like the pagan nations that used to live there. Because they're concerning themselves with civilian affairs, with other things, instead of the command of God. And that happens to all of us. We so quickly look away from what God has said we should do. We so quickly forget. And you hear the gospel the first time and you give your heart and you go, everything. Colors are different all of a sudden. Smells, sounds, everything is just new. Because you were dead and God made you alive in that moment. And you walk out and you go, I'll never be the same. So how do we stop from sliding away? Well, first of all, I think it's like driving that car. You have to constantly steer it. We have to actively steer our lives according to the pattern of God. Every single moment of our waking lives and sleeping if you can, (laughs) you should steer your life back to the pattern of God. That means you have to check the pattern. Because Israel thought, you know what, we worship God and we're just going to go to this mountain. What happened to Israel? Well, 10 out of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel was called Israel in the end. And the rest was called Judah. So, it was just Judah and Benjamin, the tribes that were left, right? And... uh, the rest of Israel was wiped out. They were taken away as slaves. They stopped being Jews. The Jews today that we know all come from two tribes. They were left. Why? Because in 40 generations, there were two kings that brought them back to the pattern of God. Two kings came back and said, no, no, no. Here's the scroll. It was so long that they that, had forgotten about the Bible. The scrolls were missing. They found it. They brought it to the king. They said, look what we found. The word of God. He went, what? Read it. And he was cut to the heart when he heard that God had commanded them certain things. And they weren't doing it. And he said, okay, no, no, no. Bring the whole of Israel together. We're going to go back to the pattern of God. Two kings did that. One did it really well and one did it sort of half-half. That was enough that the hostile Jews left Those two tribes survived, stayed, because two kings in 40 generations brought them back to the pattern of God. I don't want to be like that. that I don't want my life to be that picture. Two two instances of 40 years of my life. I don't want to serve God for two out of 40. (laughs) So... How do we do it? We do that, what those kings did. Check the pattern. Go to the Bible daily. And like Peter did, I want to I beg you. <laughs> do it daily. Spend time with God daily. Hear God daily. What is it that I should do? Read, read your Bible until it means something. Find something in there that, that sets your way for the day. If you don't know how to do that, come and talk to me or to your community leader and let's find it together. Read, read something there and start with Psalms. Lots of stuff in there. Proverbs. Lots of wisdom in Proverbs. But daily check the pattern of God for your life. Daily hear the Spirit for your life. And then if we all do that, we would slot into the picture of Acts 2.42.
as a church. So daily and then for us, I, I would like us as a church to check that. Do we still conform to Acts 2.42 as a church? Because it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's hanging out together and having a braai. Fellowship. Apostles' teachings? Well, that was Ryan two weeks ago in Mossel Bay. It's Maloney two weeks from now. Is she an apostle? No, she's not an apostle. It's not the apostle Maloney. She's prophetic. But she works closely with the apostolic gifts around us. And she carries a heart for the church. So she has, in a sense, an apostolic message for us. the breaking of bread and to prayer are we sharing meals together are we in each other's lives are we praying together what's the result of that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles so God breaks out with the miraculous not the apostles it's God breaks out with the miraculous among us the most miraculous thing that can happen is for people to get saved actually because spiritually dead is what we were born into and being spiritually alive is actually more miraculous than healing the sick we're all going to go where Pedri is today it's a reminder of how short life is and how quickly it can end and uh, that's that's that is life. So we're not gonna. I, I mean, somebody among us passed away uh, recently in Oatsburn. Um, Loli was a friend to many, and and people prayed for her, but she still passed away. So why? I don't know. Is God good? Yes. There's another testimony that was shared. Andrew shared it. Andrew Silly from that leads Josh Jen shared another testimony in Josh Jen where they prayed for a lady and she was healed from cancer in Josh Jen. So you hear these things, but he shared two um, x rays and they time stamped and dated and they have the name of the person on it. So the one is last year, and she had cancer, bone cancer, and on the picture there are no bones. Like they've got this portion of her body on the on the on the X-ray, and you can clearly see that it's gone. I'll share it with you with with everybody. And then on the next one, which was taken in April this year, it's back. And you're like, well, did they date them the wrong way around? Because it is impossible. Can God miraculously break? And yes, he can. Even with the physical healing of, of us. Will he? I don't know. We can ask him. He says we should. Will he do it? Yes, if it's in his will, he will do it. Many questions. I mean, I don't want to go into this teaching, but did I do something wrong if I die? No. I did something right. God rejoices at the death of his saints. Paul says, if I die, it's great because I go to Jesus. If I stay, I'm going to suffer here for, you, for your sake. Is that, is that really our picture of eternity and of our lives? And are we living it that way? Because that is the gospel. That is the true picture of the gospel. That my life is just like and gone. What did it mean? Did I live it for Jesus? Then what did they do? Um, here's a scary part. All the believers were together. Well, it scares me. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There's the trust. Huh? Can I trust the team around me? Because I didn't build this car that I'm going to go around the corner now. They built it. Can I trust? Every day, they continued. Here's the glorious part. Every day. Not Sundays. Not Wednesday evenings. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the big gathering. Picture of this. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were filled with gladness. Praising God, what we did this morning. Enjoying the favor of the people. And then, the church grew. So, and in that, like, would I love to see us fill this building with people that serve God? Yes, I would. I would love to see that. I would love to run out of seats, um, build our own building, and uh, have three congregations in Turin. I would love to see all the church buildings in Otsuren f- overflow. There's, there's not enough of us around. If all the church buildings in Otsuren were filled this morning, half of the people of Otsuren wouldn't be in church. Population of 70,000. So we're not in competition with other church groups. That's the other thing. But... What, we, what I'd love to see is, I'd love, so I'm saying that to clarify my statement. I'd like to fill this building. Can we get the unbelievers, the people that don't know God yet, that haven't heard the gospel, or maybe have heard it, but it hasn't cut them to the heart. They haven't said, what should I do? I would love to see that. But, more than that, I would love to see us, who are here, to actually live to this picture and, and check ourselves daily and remain in God. And none of us slip away. None of us not finish the race. That's what I want to see more than anything else. And if we live like that, God will add to our number. Why? Because if we live like that in each other's homes, in each other's lives, loving one another that much, trusting one another that much, well, then God will add to our number because he'll trust us. Because we'll be healthy and it'll be good for people to be part of us. If we're not, then God should rather add somewhere else where there is health. And I'm serious. So that's for me, for us as a church, is this morning, as we check ourselves against this picture of God, where can we do better as a church? I think on all of them. That's easy. Nah. <laughs> on all of it, I think we can do better. I think we can be better friends. I think we can hang out more. I think we can share more. I think we can care more this morning. And then I'd ask that question. Like, so we are four communities that meet and a couple of people that often meet with me. So make, let's make it five communities. Who's not here this morning? And where are they? Dirk is not here. He's a deacon. But he's been working day and night, night and day. And he's currently working on his farm. And I know that. So that's where Dirk is. John is, is at his grandfather's 94th birthday party. Simon's got six kids. Can we go through the whole list like that? Would we know where every person is? That you, if you look around, who's in your community and not here this morning? 
Can you go through that list and say, I know where they are and I know why they didn't come? Because part of the picture is not forsaking the gathering of the saints, which is this. But we have to do it because we care and we love and we have genuine concern and friendship with people. Not because I'm checking up, do I know where Dirk is? I know where Dirk is because I visited with him yesterday and I helped him open and close some of the sluices on his farm. And if you're friends with Dirk, you can also go have fun on his farm and play with water at the moment. (laughs) You know, people pay for that type of thing. (laughs) To go stay on a farm and and go farm. We can do it for free. We We have Dirk and David on the other side of town. And Monet and them. And that is friendship. It's sharing our lives. It's doing whatever the other person is. If you've never built a house, you have a small window of opportunity to help um, Alan finish his one. If you've never started a new garden, you have a little bit of time to go help Linda to go make a self-sustaining, low-maintenance garden. Is the mandate that her husband gave her. <laughs> but that's that is that that would be sharing our lives and living in one another's lives. It's not rocket science. It's not up in the air. It's not difficult. It's actually a lot of fun. It is what is community? Thomas and I had that conversation. I'm way off my notes. I'm going to finish now. Um, but it's having coffee together and sharing life and getting to know one another around the person of Jesus in our lives. Is it reading the Bible? Yes, it is. Is it praying together? Yes, it is. But it's not a Bible study or a bit ear. That's not community. Community is being involved in one another's lives and being part of. Having all things in common. So the groups of community in, in Justin Oatswurn, it's scaffolding. It's not the building. You get that picture? We put scaffolding up around the building when we build it, so we can build the building. The structure of communities in homes at this stage, it's scaffolding, it's to help us to build community. Scaffolding is worthless unless we get up on it. Scaffolding is dead. What gives it life are the guys that are building using the scaffolding. So using community groups would be to go there, to get to know people, to drink coffee together, not only on a Wednesday. Do it in the week. Have a coffee here and there. Jump out over lunch. Go to Beans together. Have, have the same things in common. Have a bride together. And then... When we see somebody have need, let's fill it. If we see somebody doesn't have food in their house, you'll see it if you go to their house. I know Phil and Bev have food in their house because they gave me some when I visited them. (laughs) But now I know. If I only go once, they might have pretended and just spent all their money. If I go again, maybe I can see if they really have food. (laughs) But that's it. If we don't go to one another's homes, if we don't get there, um, we won't know. We won't. We'll fake community. Please not. Let's not do that. And this is me pleading with you. Let's live this. Come on. Let's live this. And for the visitors, it's not that nobody's living it. 
but we can do we can if we don't check ourselves to this pattern then we will slip away from it read acts 242 once a week and 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 look at it what does it mean for me does it scare me enough Or has it stopped scaring me because I'm living in it and it's working? Or has it stopped scaring me because I decided I'm not doing it? And I'm asking myself that question. Am I still doing it? Because I have lived this and I've seen that it works. And so have many of us. What should we do? We can have great confidence in steering our lives because of the grip that we know we have in Jesus as long as we found in him. So, this morning, the gospel. Are you cut to the heart by the gospel this morning? And maybe let's close our eyes. As we check ourselves to the gospel message, God just saying hello <laughs> but as we check ourselves to that picture of the gospel the simple gospel without adding other worldly things and without taking away the sincerity and the seriousness of it do you find yourself cut to the heart Do you ask yourself that question, what should I do? Because I'm putting my hand up on that. I'm going, what should I do, God? What else can I do? What, what should I do? And this morning, I, I really want to pray for all of us 